Good to see everybody. Seems to be a nice uh, attitude, spirit out there today. Appreciate that. Be turning on your Bibles to the book of uh, Luke, chapter 24. We'll begin there in just a moment. For the uh, parents of children in the uh, kids' kingdom, I know that uh, they're having their Easter egg hunt, so all kinds of fun things uh, going on out there, and uh, I'm sure that's being a great success. Luke 24, you guys there? No, you're not, I knew it. Luke 24, you're moving as quickly as possible. Well, I don't want to preach a uh, super long sermon today. I know that you have family plans and things that you uh, are going to be doing, but uh, we do want to talk a little bit about the resurrection and uh, hopefully be a good study and uh, discussion for us uh, here today. I did want to mention that for the next two Sundays, I am going to not be preaching here. Uh, I'll be preaching next Sunday, actually two different sermons at the uh, Lighthouse uh, region of Los Angeles Church out in uh, West Covina. They've invited me to come out there and speak, even though it's... uh, the Sunday of the Masters Tournament, which uh, had some uh, uh, golf tournament, had some uh, real consideration about not doing that because of the Masters, but uh, uh, the, the minister out there is a good friend of mine, so uh, I felt like I couldn't say no. So I'll be preaching there. Alex will be preaching here next Sunday. The next Sunday after that, I'm going to be in Toronto, Canada. The uh, Western States uh, Elders Meeting is being held there. You say that makes no sense at all. Why would the uh, Western States Elders Meeting be held in Toronto, Canada? Uh, and uh, I have no explanation for that. <laughs> but that's a crazy spot uh, for it to be. But it is going to be up there. And I'm going to be preaching in one of the regions of the Toronto Church uh, that week. And uh, Jacob... Uh, we'll be preaching here that Sunday. So next Sunday be Alex, and Sunday after that will be Jacob. Uh, and then uh, after that you'll be back with me. But you'll have two young guys for two weeks in a row. That would be fun, one. Okay, title today's lesson is How to Fix It. How to Fix It. And you say, well, what's it? Well, I don't know. You fill in the blank. What might be broken in your life? What might be in need of being fixed? Your marriage? Your attitude? Your life in general? (laughs) How to fix it? And I think you'll see where I'm going uh, as we read some of these passages. In Luke 24, you have Luke's account of the resurrection and some of the events around it. And uh, we'll begin there in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but they entered and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered His words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. 
Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Jesus had died. Now, we all have had someone in our life, relative, uh, good friend, or someone that we know, die. And we know that death is, uh, can be a blessing in a sense of someone's life may be, uh, uh, you know, uh, very painful in, in death and that kind of thing. But death in and of itself, there's just a, a finality about it that is uh, stunning, honestly. Uh, I've had that happen in my life a number of different times uh, with relatives and that kind of thing. Even yesterday with Scott dying. Uh, Scott was a good friend for many, many years. And someone that uh, I respected and someone that I even went to to get uh, uh, advice from at different times uh, in my life. And, you know, when I got the text yesterday morning, uh, Scott uh, passed away this morning. It's just that, it's that sort of, you feel like someone punches you in the in the chest, you know. Oh, even though I knew that Scott was quite ill and that he was going to be perishing, uh, you know, just the finality of it when you hear it is oh, that kind of thing. They had gone through. There was Jesus. Jesus had died. They knew he had died. There was no doubt about whether he died. They weren't wondering, well, did he or did he not? No, there was no doubt about it. He died. And then these women come in saying, He's risen! He's no longer dead! And you can sort of imagine the, uh, <laughs> ladies, what, what, what's going on? Really? And most of them just didn't believe. They're like, ah, I don't know about that. And then Peter says, well, I don't know. And so he runs and gets there. And the body of Jesus is still not there, but he sees the strips of linen that they had that had been involved in his uh, being put into the grave, and he was just confused about what was going on. Well, we don't have time to read all that we're going on here in in, uh, in chapter twenty-four, but I want us to skip ahead to verse thirty-six. This appearance of Jesus that had just happened that most of them had not been involved with was still sort of creating confusion in their minds. And it says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. That must have been a stunning moment. Whoa! They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. That would be a normal reaction, wouldn't it? He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why uh, do you doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So he's standing there among them and he says, Well, come and, come and touch my hands. Come and touch my feet. See that I am who I say that I am. Verse 40. When he, had said, uh, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, I love this. <laughs> this is wonderful. He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? <laughs> Typical one of the brothers wants to eat. <laughs> they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. 
Then you go on and, and uh, you have more that's said, but we don't have time right now to look at that. Now look into your Bible a little further on to First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. Now if you actually are looking for the chronological of when these different passages were written, First Corinthians was actually written before Luke. So when Paul writes this, he's not making reference to what we just saw because that had not, at that time, even been written. But he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, of what you've received and which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly through the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. And that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James. Then to the apostles. And last of all, He appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Paul here says, Jesus appeared to me. He makes reference to the appearance of the apostles. He said he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the time. He said most of them are still alive. Though some of them have gone to sleep or some of them had died. Paul makes reference to the resurrection in a way of saying, listen... Over 500 people were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus. This is not some sort of, well, we think maybe. No, he's saying, no, this happened. They saw it. They were there. They were eyewitnesses of what happened. You know, I I would imagine we have about 200 in, in the room here today. More than double that of the number of people who were witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. And he's trying to make the the important point to them that this is a super big thing to understand. I want you to look at the book of Acts, and I want us to look at how often, as as you look at what they talk about when they preach to people, how often the resurrection of Jesus comes up. Let's look first of all at Acts 2. Acts 2. And we know that uh, you know this is the uh, the Pentecost scene. There's thousands of people there, and in verse 14 it says Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. So Peter is speaking as the primary speaker, but the apostles are speaking to the people. And it goes along, and let's pick it up in verse uh, uh, 22. This man, they were speaking of Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. And he goes on and he preaches uh, the sermon to them. And we, 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 uh, we see in, uh, in verse 40, he says, With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accept this were, his message were baptized. And about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. So the message that they spoke to the people included, and as a matter of fact, sort of the, the, the important moment of the sermon was this idea that Jesus had raised from the dead. Okay, come on to chapter 3 then. And uh, let's pick it up in, uh, in, in verse 11. 
The apostles had just healed uh, a person, and uh, there's a big uh, to-do about it. And it says in verse 11, While the beggar held on to uh, Peter and John, and the people were astonished and came running to them at the place called Solomon's Colonnade. This is an area right uh, connected to the temple in Jerusalem. When the people saw this... uh, uh, when Peter saw this, uh, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus. You handed Him over to be killed, and you disowned Him before Pilate, though He had decided to let Him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but... God raised him from the dead. There it is again. When they're preaching to the people, when they're talking to the people, a main point of what they're saying is, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Chapter 4. Beginning at verse 8. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today on... Uh, for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And I, I reference that to, to, to sort of get it in our mind, as they, as the early Christians spoke to people, as they were sharing their faith, as they were trying to explain what they believed to other people, Jesus raising from the dead was a huge part of what they talked about. Jesus rose from the dead. They were witnesses of this and they were sharing that with the people. Now let's go ahead many years, but look over to Romans chapter 6. I'm coming in for a landing here, so uh, just trying to set this up. Romans 6, beginning at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. No. No way. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So he says here, when a person is baptized, they are sharing with Jesus in the death, burial, and resurrection into a new life. A new life. The old life had ceased. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He was raised to a new life. He said when someone has baptism, that is exactly what happens to them by faith. They share in the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and they have a new life, a new beginning. Now you say, well, how does this all fit into your title, Marty? How to fix it. Whatever the problem is in your life today, and most of us have a problem if we think about it, it probably is fixed if there's forgiveness involved. 
Most of our problems in life, at least most of the problems I get into my life, have something to do with forgiveness. And the attitude of forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the very core of Jesus raising from the dead because He raises to a new life. He says you can raise to a new life. And of course we know that that has to do with the forgiveness of sins. A new life, a new start, a new go at life. That's a pretty attractive thought. You mean I can sort of put the past behind me? I can make a demarcation and say, from that point back, it's the old life. From this point on, it's a new life. I get a new shot at it. I can be forgiven of what I've done wrong and the things that I've messed up with in my life. And of course, the answer to that is yes. And that's a pretty good idea for most people in their life. Wow. I can be forgiven. Now, this forgiveness thing is an important thing because we need to understand not only that we can be forgiven, but if we are forgiven, we have a responsibility of forgiveness. Look over to Colossians chapter 3, since we're right there in that neighborhood. Colossians chapter 3. This is where this thing really comes down for us, I think. Colossians chapter 3. And he's giving, uh, the, the apostle here is giving the church in Colossae a lot of different uh, things of advisement here. Let's pick it up in verse 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And verse 13 here is why we're here. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I love the the wordage here. Bear with each other. You know anybody in your life that you need to bear with? Maybe your boss. Maybe your employees. Maybe your husband. Maybe your wife. Maybe all of us at one time or another are the kind of people that need to be bared with. You understand what I'm saying? Are are you that kind of person? Are you, at least sometimes in your life, difficult to deal with? (laughs) I know it's a remote possibility, but but could it be true that you are, are challenging to deal with? Bear with each other and forget whatever grievances you may have. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Is there a possibility that you have a grievance against somebody? Now a grievance would indicate that they did something wrong to you. Or they did something hurtful to you. Forgive whatever grievance, grievances, it even says, that you may have against other people. And of course, we're going to go to family events today. At least a lot of us are going to be going to family events. You know, family, uh, something, oh yeah, we're going to get together with our family. Uh, isn't that great? And, and immediately you think of, you know, that one. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
and 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 you know you actually think, well, boy, I hope she doesn't show this year. Uh, you know, wouldn't the, the ham will taste better if she's not here. Uh, you know, kind of thought that we might have in our mind. Maybe some of us are not getting together with our family, and we're like, "Hallelujah, man! I'm just, I'm going to go home and uh, and have dinner with myself. That's, that's a lot more fun." Of course, the family event may feel that way about you not being there. You know, uh, they may say, "Wow, thank God uh, he didn't come this year." Uh, forgive whatever, and in this forgiveness thing here, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's that's how our standard of forgiveness. Now, Jesus said some things about forgiveness that we have to look at here. We can't not look at this. Look back to Matthew chapter 6. you got to look at this. If you're going to talk about forgiveness, how to fix it is, is involved with forgiveness in many of our lives. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. It says, Forgive men... <laughs> and some of you ladies say, yeah, well, that, that, we can stop right there. Uh, <laughs> forgive men when they sin against you. Men meaning humankind. Okay, not just men. Forgive men when they sin against you. Your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is for the really special person that you are having a struggle to forgive. I mean, some people just annoy us on a regular basis. and But then there's some people that have wounded us deeply. And our spirit and our heart and our attitude has got to be to have the God-like type of love. See, there's the title. How to fix it. You know what the it really is in all of our lives? It's us. How to fix it for most of us is how, how do you fix you? Right. Yeah. How do you get you to have the kind of spirit and heart and attitude that you need to have? I'll give us one, one or two, actually two more scriptures, but we've got to look at this one. Look over at James. James chapter 2. This has become probably one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It wasn't for many years. I'm not sure I even knew it was there for a long time. But it's become... One of my favorites. James 2 verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What we want to give people is judgment. What we want people to give us is mercy. He says, listen, you've you, you got to turn that around. Mercy triumphs over judgment. There are problems in our lives. There are problems in the world around us. 
If mercy were to triumph over judgment, what would our world really be like? Would we really have many of the problems we have in life if mercy triumphed over judgment? Being a merciful person instead of a person of judgment. See, we we want to say, listen, you deserve to get your nose busted. You're a jerk. And that may be true. It may be as accurate as accurate ever was. But see, how we fix it in the world around us is that mercy triumphs over judgment. I want to give us one last passage here about forgiveness. And it's, it's a beautiful passage. You can go ahead and be turning there. It's Psalm 103. Forgiveness is crucial, guys. We need to accept the forgiveness from God. And we need to extend forgiveness to those around us. Some of you today at your family meetings need to extend forgiveness to those in your family perhaps that have been wrong to you. Psalm 103. Just one of those passages that every once in a while you have to read just because it really ministers to our souls. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul, my inmost being. This is where you're reaching down in your gut. My inmost being. My, my, the soul of my soul. Right in the middle of me. Praise His holy name. Or be grateful is, is another way of saying praise the Lord. Be grateful. In, in your very being. Your innermost being. This is not how you act. This is who you really are. In your gut. Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Talking about the molting process of molting off and Coming back beautiful again. Once again, that idea of forgiveness and new life. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor is we harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Boy, if you're an underliner, that's an underliner right there. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him or those who respect Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. That's a long ways. (laughs) As far as the east is from the west. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows 
how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man or as for people, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. Just the comparatively short amount of time we have to live our life. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord. Thank God, you His angels. You mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts. You His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This is a passage that talks just about the depth, the heart level relationship with God that a person wants to have. It's where we're at at our better moments, right? It's it's, it's where we are when we really settle ourselves and have those moments where we really are in communion with God. I hope the study today and our, our application today will be helpful for you. How to fix it. I think the things we looked at today centered around the idea of resurrection and forgiveness and new life are things that can be helpful for you. I hope it is helpful for you to walk out of here today just a little bit better person than when you walked in today would be such a great goal for us here at the Lifeway Church that we could minister to you in that kind of way. Have a great time with your families today. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Love you guys. Happy Easter.